You're listening to the Kirk and Tillich Herald, a Cune Review recording service podcast, brought to you by our team of volunteers currently recording from their homes across Scotland. Whether you're listening via the BWBF online players, the telephone app, or our brand new Alexa skill, please phone us on 0141 772 3976 to feedback on what you want us to provide and improve upon. Please also join your family and friends in being our audio ambassadors and share our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram all at QNReview. That's at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. The Kirk and Talk and Bishop Briggs Herald published on Wednesday the 18th of May 2022. Siblings Head for the Coast Report by Brian Newell A Kirkintilla brother and sister will complete their year-long coast-to-coast challenge this month in aid of the British Heart Foundation. Lorna Thompson and Martin Hood have been walking each stage of the John Muir Way which cover 134 miles from Helensborough to Dunbar in memory of their dad, James Wood. The John Muir Way was a favourite of James's so completing it seemed like a fitting way to raise money for the charity, and on May the 28th his children were tackled the 15 miles of the 10th and final stage from North Berwick to Dunbar. Warner said, When our dad passed away suddenly from a cardiac arrest in October 2021, we knew we had to raise funds to the British Heart Foundation. Dad was a super fit 72-year-old who walked the length and breadth of Scotland, so a walk was the obvious choice to honour him, and the British Heart Foundation, the perfect charity. My brother Martin and I chose the John Muir Way to walk as it was a favourite route of our dad's and we had heard so much about it. We started our journey on May the 16th, 2021 and the need of the sections have been joined by various family and friends which has been just amazing. We have shared so many moments chatting and laughing. It was lovely to walk with a few of dad's friends too, chatting about him. I don't have a favourite section as it's all been such a great experience, but seeing the three bridges in South Queensferry was certainly a sight to behold. The weather has been very kind to us too, which adds to the joy. Martin added, It has been a great walk with so many things to see on the way. We're looking forward to the last section and hopefully no blisters and the money we've raised so far is fantastic. The walk has so far raised £1,500 for the charity and Warner's work ASDA will make a donation from its community fund. Lorna, who founded the Facebook group Walk Run Psycho in and around Eastern Bartonshire to encourage people to get active, said, We have a great group joining us for the final stage, with more family and friends meeting us at the end of to celebrate. Our gift just giving page can be found via the Facebook group, and we want to thank everyone for all the donations and support along the way. And that was a report by Brian Newell. This week in history, May the 18th, 1990, a treaty was signed in Bonn introducing introducing economic and monetary union between East and West Germany. On this day last year, the Prince of Wales paid tribute to the inspiring efforts of youth workers to bring about reconciliation in Northern Ireland. May the 19th, 1982, Italian actress Sophia Loren was jailed for a month for tax evasion. May the 20th, 1941, Germany began an aerial invasion of Crete. On this day last year, 
The Duke of Cambridge announced he'd received his first Covid jab as the vaccine rollout across the country continued. May the 21st, 1927 Pilot Charles Lindbergh landed in Paris to win the $25,000 prize for the first solo flight across the Atlantic. On this day last year, England football star Marcus Ratchford topped his Sunday Times giving list following a record-breaking year for donations. May 22nd, 1981, Yorkshire ripper Peter Sutcliffe was found guilty at the Old Bailey of murdering 13 women and attempting to murder 7 others. He was sentenced to 30 years minimum. May 23rd, 1960, the Israelis announced the capture of war criminal Adolf Eichmann. On this day last year, a UK study suggested COVID-19 had a distinct smell that could be detected by specially trained dogs with up to 94% accuracy. Scouts have new badge. Report by Brian Yule. A member of the 12th Glasgow Scouts from Lindsay has designed the logo of a new human rights badge. The Rights Challenge badge features a range of activities and resources to empower young people aged 8 to 14 to learn about and understand their rights. It promotes adult leaders' awareness of children's rights too. The winning badge design featuring the International Human Rights Dove logo soaring over Earth beside the Scout symbol is a work of is work of 10-year-old Christopher Stewart. The Lenzo Medio primary pupil said, I was really excited to come up with a design for a new Scots badge. I love drawing and design, so thought it would be fun. My design to put the human rights logo at the centre of the badge, as it is already a recognised symbol, and like every other, like every Scout badge, my design has a fleur de lis on it. I also chose to put a map of the world in the background, because children from across the world should all have rights. I hope all clubs and scouts like my design and are looking forward to earning the rights challenge as badge as much as I am. Activities include creating a shield to highlight what is important to them and what rights would they would defend. The badge was unveiled during a party to celebrate 18 years of the Children's Commissioner's Office at the Scottish Parliament. Commissioner Bruce Adamson We are absolutely delighted to launch this new Rights Challenge badge. Knowing about their rights will help Scouts claim them and the skills gained with this badge will equip them to act as true human rights defenders. The design winner, Christopher, perfectly captured the spirit of the Rights Challenge badge and I'm looking forward to seeing Cubs and Scouts earning it. Andrew Sharkey, Chief Commissioner of Scouts Scotland said, It has been a privilege working with the Children's Commissioner and his team to create this great resource. Children and young people are at the heart of everything we do, and their awareness of their rights and embedding of them into our core programme is vitally important if Scout Scotland is to be truly youth-shaped whilst developing the next generation of citizens. And that was a report by Brian Newell. An offer you'll love. Eastern Barton's Leisure and Culture Trust has served up an offer you will love this summer. You can net half-price tennis and free equipment hire at Hunters Hill Sports Hub and Kirkintilf Leisure Centre on its five all-weather tennis courts. The offer will run until August the 31st to allow all budding Andy Munnies and Emma Raducanus to serve up a storm on the courts over the summer holidays. Free equipment hire is included in this smashing offer. Trust Chairman Jim Neal said, 
If you dream of one day playing at Wimbledon or just want a friendly rally with your friends, get set and bring your game down before this deal is done. Bookings must be made in advance by calling Hunters Hill Community Sports Hub on 0141 777 3061 or Kirkintilloch Leisure Centre on 0141 578 Win of Non-Profit Award is ACE. Eastern Bartonshire Charity The Sporting Aces has been named Best Sport-Based Community Charity in Scotland at the Non-Profit Organisation Awards 2022 run by Acquisition International. Now in their second year, The awards celebrate the unsung heroes of the non-profit business world. The Sporting Aces is the only charity in the area promoting inclusion for multi-sport activity. Mark Billington, chairperson, said, What an achievement after a challenging couple of years. Massive thanks to our coaching team, management, trustees and of course participants and all the wonderful supporters of our charity. The hard work is paying off. iPads create connections. Report by Brian Newell. The introduction of iPads into hospital wards to support virtual visiting during the pandemic has been hailed a success by patients, families and staff across Greater Glasgow and Clyde. In March 2020, when visiting restrictions first emerged, the Clinical Government Support Unit's person-centred health and care team worked with colleagues across NHS GGC to source iPads and deliver them to all wards. By the end of 2020, almost 650 iPads were in place across 314 hospital wards and departments keeping patients and the people who matter to them in touch. An evaluation found person-centred virtual visiting enabled patients and their families to feel closeness and connection, especially through a challenging time of separation. One family member said, They were my family's lifeline. We would have been lost without the calls, and I cannot express how much they meant to us and how grateful we were for them. Another family shared, This was just amazing. I have not seen my uncle for, for two years due to the travel restrictions. He has been in hospital for over three months and his wife has only seen him briefly twice. My uncle was over the moon, as was I. Just brilliant. A staff member said, It's been quite emotional at times. Two of the patients were smiling for the first time in weeks. The impact of not being able to see a familiar face is so huge. Setting up the virtual visiting service required a significant collaboration which included the nursing and clinical teams, clinical governance, e-health, infection prevention and control, information governance, knowledge services, equality and human rights, the public health team and endowments management committee. While there were some teething problems, as everyone got used to the technology, people quickly became familiar with it and welcomed the virtual video calls with the people who mattered to them. Geraldine Jordan, Director of Clinical and Care Governance at NHS GGC, said, People told us how important and special these moments of reconnection were for them. Even now, we hear about the memories people have of seeing people in hospital reunited with family members. And that was a report by Brian Yule. New depot is opened. Report by Brian Yule. Scotland Railway's new £33 million purpose-built engineering depot at Cadar has been officially opened by Minister for Transport, Jenny Gilmaruth, MSP. Located between Bishop Briggs and Lindsay on the Edinburgh-Glasgow mainline, 
The depot came into use in December 2021, creating 25 new jobs and supporting 200 existing roles. Development was managed by Network Rail, funded by the Scottish Government, and is now operated by ScotRail on behalf of the Rail Network. During her visit, Musical Ruth unveiled a commitment to the plaque to mark the official opening of the depot and guests had the opportunity to see some of the operations of the yard. These include three new service platforms, train cleaning facilities, refuelling unit, nighttime accommodation for up to six high-speed trains, HSTs, and a new modular building with the capacity to accommodate up to 250 support staff. The new facility will support nighttime cleaning, servicing and maintenance of the HST fleet that operates from Glasgow and Edinburgh to Aberdeen and Inverness. Qatar was identified as the ideal location to accommodate HSTs due to its accessibility to Queen Street and Waverley stations. A new office facility inside the yard will accommodate staff from Rail Systems Alliance Scotland, a partnership between Network Rail, Babcop and Arcadis. The two-storey building will operate day and night and it will also provide accommodation for ScotRail HST depot staff. Ms Ruth said, I was delighted to see firsthand Scotland's new engineering depot at Cadar and to hear about the benefits it will create for Scotland's railways going forward. This facility will help support some of the existing fleet and also the introduction of new rolling stock as part of our decarbonisation action plan. Chris Kinnear, Capital Delivery Director for Scotland's Railway, added, The £33 million investment into Cadar Depot will bring many strategic benefits for Scotland's railway, including providing greater flexibility for freight and passenger services, and, ultimately, improving performance on key intercity routes. And that report was by Brian Yule. Sir Optimist helped by Canla to honour Beatrice. Report by Brian Yule. The Kirkintilla branch of a global female advocacy movement has unveiled a memorial to charity worker and philanthropist Beatrice Cogston, thanks to funding from Calla Homes, West. The home builder named its Beatrice Meadows development in Kirkintilla after the founder of the Glasgow Dorcas Society. It gifted the Sir Optimus of Kirkintilla and District £500 to fund a plaque to commemorate Miss Cogston, as well as providing and planting a tree in the development itself in her memory. The Sir Optimus have campaigned for the restoration of Miss Cogston's original memorial gravestone in the Old Isle Cemetery. And now, thanks to funding and assistance from Calla Holmes West, the group has unveiled a brand new memorial on the development which sits in the site of the former Broomhill Hospital. Just one of the causes she dedicated her philanthropic efforts to in the mid-1800s. Members and supporters of the group gathered at Beatrice Meadows to officially mark the unveiling of the plaque and tree planting. Margaret Tomlinson of the Seroptimus said, For some time Kirkintel Seroptimus have campaigned for recognition of Beatrice Clugson. She fought throughout her life to improve care and conditions for the sick and dying. We were delighted when Callow Holmes chose the name Beatrice Meadows for the housing developments in the grounds of Broomhill Hospital, one of Beatrice's great achievements. We are grateful to Calla Holmes and Archibald Young Limited for facilitating the presentation of this tree and plaque to commemorate a remarkable unsung hero, Beatrice Clugston. Jim Clinton, site manager at Beatrice Meadows, added, We're delighted to help a local group with honouring such important local historical figure.
When deciding on the final name for the development, Beatrice Clarkson's story really stood out, so it seemed only fitting that we help our Theroptimus to honour her memory. We're proud to have a tree planted in Miss Clarkson's honour, as well as memorial, uh, mo- the memorial plaque at Beatrice Meadows, and we're delighted to welcome the Theroptimus to officially mark the unveiling. Play Park Investment Report by Brian Newell A play park in Bishop Briggs has been transformed following a £90,000 investment by Eastern Bartonshire Council. The newly upgraded Meadowburn North Play area was finished last month and is already proving to be highly popular with the local community. Boasting an array of new play equipment, the play park design was voted for by the community and was officially opened with a visit from pupils from nearby Meadowburn Primary. In 2021, the council carried out an extensive online consultation, giving residents the opportunity to choose a new particular play area designed for three locations, Woodhead Park, Kirkintullough, a Meadowburn North play area, and Dune Crescent, both in Bishop Briggs. The consultation exercise attracted a large number of votes on the council's website. At Meadowburn North play area, a well-used community facility near Hilton Terrace, Residents were given a choice of two designs and option one in the consultation won the contract. Work at the play area involved the removal of all the existing play equipment and the rubber matting safety surfacing which has been replaced by a bright new attractive play facility with modern wet pour safety surfacing and modern equipment. This is adjacent to a newly created green space area which replaced the existing Tarmac Adam surfacing. The new play area boasts a number of new additions, including two flat swings, two cradle swings, the ever-popular basket swing and an inclusive seat swing. In addition to this, there is a large triple tower multiplay unit, seesaw, double somersault bars, spinning bowl, a selection of springies, a toddler triple tower unit and a wheelchair inclusive roundabout. Council's Deputy Chief Executive, Anne Davy, said This has always been a much loved and popular community play facility and its transformation has been remarkable. There is so much for children of all ages to enjoy and it is good to hear the youngsters are already having fun on all the new equipment. This play area was built as a direct result of consultation involving children and residents from the Bishop Briggs area. The fact that the final design was chosen by the community means all the children and young people who participated can feel ownership over the final result. This is a fantastic community facility, which I'm sure will bring smiles to local children and families for many years to come. Meadowburn North Play Area is not the only facility in Bishop Briggs to receive an upgrade. The play area behind the Leisure Drome has also seen the introduction of a popular new multiplay unit and swing unit on top of its early repair to the play area's safety surfacing. The Bishop Briggs area shall for- shortly be in receipt of yet another fully upgraded facility, with work to modernise the Dune Crescent Play facility beginning this week. A consultation was also carried out in 2021 to gather residents' views in Bishop Briggs Park, with a view to upgrading it in the near future. Look back to the future. Earth Destiny isn't set in stone. Report by Julie Curry. An expansive series studying Scotland's geology, past and present, has now been completed with the publication of three news books. Alan McCurdy, an expert in his field, 
has chronicled the geological history of every major region in the country in the last 10 years in his Landscapes in Stone series, published by Berlin. With the addition of the three latest books, covering the Small Isles, Central Scotland and Southern Scotland, the collection is finally complete. Spanning 14 books in total, the series is jam-packed with captivating information about Scotland's iconic and beloved landscape. Not only is it a wealth of information on our past, but it offers invaluable insight as Scotland's future becomes increasingly uncertain due to climate change. From the Cairngorms to Shetland, Argyll, to the Scottish borders, this is Scotland as you've never seen it. Alan said, Global warming is by far the most important and critical environmental and geological issue of the day. It's not just something that might happen in the future. Effects are right here and right now. The Landscape in Stone series tells of past climates such as deserts, tropical rainforests, and long-disappeared oceans that created the bedrock of Scotland. We don't expect such dramatic climatic shifts to suddenly appear, but there will be major changes to our landscapes and coastline millions of years hence. Geology is about understanding the past, and to do that effectively, we need to understand how the world works today, and also how things might change in the future. We live on a truly dynamic planet. We are now in a geological period called the Anthropocene, where Homo sapiens, us, are a significant agent of change for the atmosphere, the hydrosphere, and generally of the Earth's crust on which we live our lives. It's a role we haven't played particularly sympathetically in the past decades, but we must become better custodians of our fragile world. The release of the final three books completes a near-decade-long project for Alan, chronicling the geological history of every major region in the country. After releasing the precursor to the rest of the series, set in stone, the geology and landscapes of Scotland, he set out to write guides in all major regions in Scotland. Alan has written many popular books on geology and related topics and has helped to promote the study of environmental geology in Scotland. Before his retirement, he was Head of Knowledge and Information Management at Scottish Natural Heritage. He is now a freelance writer and has given many talks in Scottish geology and landscapes at book festivals and other events. The latest three books in the series were released on May the 5th, completing the Landscapes of Stone collection. For more information and to peruse the whole collection, visit berlin.co.uk slash contributor slash alan hyphen McCurdy. And that was a report by Julie Curry. Greer calling a new council to back divestment. Report by Brian Yule. West Scotland less MSP Ross Greer has called on newly elected councillors in Eastern Bartonshire to back a campaign to divest the council's pension funds from oil, gas and coal. Eastern Bartonshire Council is part of the massive Strathclyde Pensions Fund, which is the largest local government pension fund in Scotland and one of the largest in the UK. It had an estimated £836 million invested in fossil fuels as of 2021. While a number of Strathclyde councils have followed a Green-led effort in Glasgow to divest the fund from fossil fuels, Eastern Bartonshire has so far failed to do so. According to a report published by Friends of the Earth, it was estimated that £46 million was lost by Strathclyde Pension Fund between 2017 and 2020 because oil gas companies proved to be such poor investments. Following last week's elections, councillors are currently engaging in negotiations around a new administration 
and opposition for Eastern Bartonshire. Mr Greer is urging those attempting to form the administration to commit a di- to a divestment policy. Speaking after the election results, he said, I want to congratulate all the councillors elected to serve our communities. This is a critical time for governments at every level to take action to protect our planet from the unfolding climate emergency. There are few actions Eastern Bartonshire Council can take that will have more of a positive impact than joining Glasgow and others in supporting divestment of the Strathclyde Pension Fund. This period, in which new administrations are being formed and programmes being agreed to, is an ideal time to make such a commitment. It would also send a strong signal to the hundreds of thousands of people whose pensions rely on this fund that the Council is looking out for their best interests, given the extremely risky nature of fossil fuel investments. This is our opportunity to make sure that every council in the Strathclyde area clearly backs divestment, which should force the fund itself into immediate action. Eastern Martinshire residents should visit www.gcop.scot slash divest hyphen Strathclyde to find out more and email their new councillors to get them on board. Concern over plans for Hunter's Hill House site. Report by Brian Yule. The Friends of Thomas Muir Charity has expressed concern after outline planning permission was was submitted to redevelop Hunter's Hill House. The Category B listed former Bishop Briggs home of the father of Scottish democracy was sold by Eastern Bartonshire Council a number of years ago. Planning permission was granted to turn the 250-year-old property into a care home but that has since expired. Now, Ian Dar Property Co is looking to build three detached homes in the Crowhill Road site, as well as refurbish Hunters Hill House itself. The design statement reveals three new homes will each be two storeys, properties designed and detailed to be sympathetic with the Georgian style of Hunters Hill House. An extract of the disposition by trustees of William Elf Galloway in 1953 presents a legal argument against the building of structures in such close proximity to the house. It said, In order to ensure the preservation of the existing buildings of Hunters Hill House and the policy ground as an ancient monument in the national interest, the structure of Hunters Hill House will not be altered, nor will the policy ground be altered to build upon unless the consent of the National Trust for Scotland be first obtained in writing. The council also placed certain conditions when it sold to Hunters Hill House. Friends of Thomas Muir would support the restoration of the entire site as one home, but has concerns about the addition of three other houses. A spokesperson said, It's our view that as Hunters Hill House and the gate piers are category listed buildings of significant local and regional importance to allow subdivision into several building plots, it's not satisfactory. It is also our view that permitting modern structures to be built in such close proximity to an important historically listed building would detrimentally affect the setting and character. We would support plans for Hunters Hill House and the entire grounds to be returned and restored as a family home, but should only take place after consultation with Historic Environment Scotland. Also, contact could be made with the National Trust for Scotland regarding the burden placed in the 1953 disposition. New system will predict flooding across Scotland. Report by Julie Curry. 
Members of the public are being asked for their feedback on new Scottish flood forecasts, which will give an indication of where the flooding is likely to occur in Scotland up to three days in advance. A digital, colour-coded map has been developed to show potential flood risks for the three days following the publication date of the map and whether the source of flooding is from the sea, rivers or surface water. It will describe the potential impacts of flooding and link to advice and information on what protective action people can take. The forecast will be produced every morning, 365 days a year, and published on the Scottish Environment Protection Agency's website. It is an additional tool for the public to use alongside the current floodline service, which issues shorter notice, regional flood alerts, and local flood warnings to those signed up 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The Scottish Food Forecasting Service, a partnership between SEPA and the Met Office, has created a new system following extensive research with the public, community food groups, emergency responders, partner organisations and SEPA and Met Office employees. The findings identified a need for flood information to be provided earlier in a simple and clear way. The new national service can be viewed online now and is the first step in the journey to providing communities with improved flood, flood information. Feedback from the public will be gathered to inform the next steps and refine the design. The forecast is expected to be finalised and launched later this year. Pascal Lardet, SEPA's flood warning unit manager, said More extreme weather and rising sea levels due to climate change mean we will have to live with flooding. It's vital communities are supported to save safely prepare for the potential impacts as early as possible. Thanks to this new notice and the extra notice it offers, they'll have the best chance to reduce the risk of damage. We will continue to capture customer feedback during the initial pilot period before launching the final version of the Scottish Flood Forecast later this year. The forecast can be viewed at www.sepa.org.uk slash Scottish Flood Forecast, with a link for people to submit feedback. And that was a report by Julie Curry. From the opinion section, this week's letters page, let's talk. Cash for separation, but not for hardship. Sir, there is little doubt that the goings on at Westminster and Holyrood are a disaster for families who are suffering the worst financial crisis since the Second World War. The Tory Westminster government are refusing to move an inch in reducing the gas and heating costs to families and the current rise in the cost of living is proving disastrous to families who are unable to afford food on the table for their families. The attitude of government ministers is soul-destroying as they are adamant that they are unable to make any move to improve the situation and are unwilling to listen to reason from professionals who know better and should be listened to. One can only hope that following the number of U-turns the Tories have already made, they will do the same again. Moving closer to home, the First Minister had decided to jet off to the USA to promote her independence agenda, while at home, 200,000 elderly Scots cannot afford the basic essentials due to the lack of money forced on them by the increase in gas and electricity prices and the cost of living increase. Our hospitals require updating, our schools require updating, our roads are in a sorry state and our social welfare facilities are in a, inadequate for what is required. 
it is hard to accept or believe that the money is clearly available when it comes to dealing with the independence agenda, but it's not available to help the Scottish population through the trying times that they are currently facing. For many, independence is further from their mind, and we prefer to see the Scottish Government work hard on the daily job that that they get paid for. Due to the current state of the Scottish economy, there is a change in the public view towards independence, and many would prefer to stay in the United Kingdom irrespective of the cost. Yours, etc. Hamish Leishman, Address Supplied. Right royal waste of money. Sir, watching the Queen's speech read by by the Prince of Wales, I could not help but be struck by what an enormous waste of time and money it was, as well as all the symbols of English nationalism. It was like a dioily cart opera. Let's get real. Let the Prime Minister read out his government programme and save us a lot of time and money. Yours, etc. Colin McAllister. Address supplied. Perfectly designed for secrecy. Sir, having just returned from a river cruise which terminated in Berlin, I was struck by the German Parliament's Reichstag building, designed by Norman Foster, with its huge glass dome meant to signify transparency in government. Compare that building to our Holyrood Parliament design with its upturned boats and monastic MSP cells with minuscule windows. Although a Labour project, it's the perfect design for an SNP government hell-bent on secrecy, whether it be ferry contracts, hospital infections or the educational performance of our schools. It's time the upturned boats were righted and the failures of this SNP government exposed for all to see. Yours etc. George M. Primrose by email. Hamstrong Councils Sir, reflecting on the outcome of the local elections in Scotland, notably only one in seven of the voting public voted SNP. But the fact is that the SNP obsession with centralisation and control from Holyrood runs totally counter to their proclaimed belief in independence. Local councils are hamstrung by Holyrood budgeting and financial administration, so my question to SNP supporters would be, why is it better for policing, education and infrastructure locally to be controlled by politicians in Edinburgh who care so little for local issues? In the olden times of our county council structure, I cannot remember so many failures in road maintenance, the NHS or educational management. The conclusion has to be that the SNP obsession with conceptual independence and its propaganda to gain support for the obsession has done Scotland down over the past 14 plus years. The expense to taxpayers of maintaining the Holyrood talking shop would be far better utilised if it was saved and distributed to local councils pro rata the size of local populations. Yours etc. Derek Farmer Address Supplied Henry's story will help Scottish pupils Report by Julie Curry. A former Jewish German child refugee who came to Glasgow with the Kinder Transport has helped launch a new learning programme with the high school pupils. Henry Wooger, 98, joined Poppy Scotland to launch the lessons based on his story and that of other young refugees during the Second World War. Pupils will be encouraged to reflect on these incredible stories and on the issues facing more recent child refugees including millions of Ukrainians fleeing their war-torn country today. Aged just 15, Henry escaped the horrors of Nazi Germany in 1939, leaving his parents behind in Nuremberg. He went on to make Scotland his home, marrying Ingrid, 
who has also escaped with the kinder transport and managing his own catering business. Poppy Scotland's 10 Lesson Activity Pack was written by Alison McFarlane, a history and modern studies teacher from Open High School. The content focuses on video testimonies of three kinder transport escapees and Holocaust survivors Henry, Rosa Saccharin and Carola Regent. It is designed to help pupils understand the plight of Jewish people under the Nazi regime and the experiences of young refugees then and now. Henry said, It is so important to share my story with a new generation while I can. When I first arrived here 83 years ago it was a shock. I didn't speak the language well, the food and customs were new, but Glasgow was very welcoming and I made it my home. Poppy Scotland worked with Gathering the Voices Association on the project. The association runs a project to record audio and video testimonies from Holocaust refugees with Scottish connections, which can be heard and viewed at www.gatheringthevoices.com. Gordon Mitchie, Poppy Scotland's Head of Fundraising and Learning, said, We are incredibly grateful to Henry for supporting us and sharing his harrowing story with a new generation of Scottish children. His first-hand testimony will encourage young people to reflect on issues that are too relevant today. To access the school resources, visit www.poppyscotland.org.uk slash learning. And that was a report by Joy Curry. Action Earth grants now available. Voluntary Matters has launched its Action Earth campaign to support communities to get back to outdoor environmental volunteering. Community projects can now apply for grants funded by Nature Scott. Action Earth offers grants of up to £250 for environmental activities across Scotland. It has 150 nature awards for any group of volunteers carrying out practical environmental improvements or wildlife habitat creation. Previous projects have included wildflower meadow and pond creation, woodland and wetland renovations and creating and improving community gardens. Last year, 157 projects were completed, showing great resilience in the face of very difficult circumstances. This year, the focus is on helping restore and protect environments to deliver a nature-rich future for all. Voluntary Matters is also keen to support projects working with people with disabilities and health issues. Last year, more than 4,406 volunteers were involved in improving biodiversity in their community. 1,329 of them having defined health and social issues. Francesca Osowaska, Nature Scotland's Chief Executive, said Nature can be a powerful tool in bringing communities together and rallying them to action, whether it's to protect local green spaces or create new opportunities for enriched biodiversity. In doing so, community groups have the chance to be involved in activities which help tackle the climate emergency. We are looking forward to welcoming lots of exciting project ideas. To apply, visit voluntarymatters.org.uk slash project slash action hyphen earth. SSPCA launches its 10-year strategy. The SSPCA has launched an ambitious 10-year strategy with a commitment to give every animal in Scotland a good life. For All Animals has six key goals, including a pledge to reduce instances of abuse by half and to eradicate the low welfare puppy and kitten trade. 
has also pledged to engage at least a quarter of Scots in animal welfare education over the next decade, while creating a network of at least 250,000 youth ambassadors. The SSPCA will work with organisations in conservation and nature recovery to address the loss of habitats, which are critical to the welfare of wild animals. The Society regularly treats over 10,000 animals a year in its flagship National Wildlife Rescue Centre. The charity, which already works with farmers who need support, will also develop stringent welfare standards for animals farmed on land and at sea and push for these to be the adopted norm in the agriculture and aquaculture sectors within a decade. The SSPCA, which is over 180 years old, also aims to grow its net income by 20% over the next 10 years and become a net zero organisation. Chief Executive Custine Campbell said, Demand for our services is going to continue to grow. We are at a critical juncture for animal welfare in Scotland, where pets, wild and farmed animals face increasingly complex challenges. These can't be solved by any individual or agency. A key part of for all animals is creating and building the right partnerships. Our vision for animal welfare in Scotland is one where it is the best place in the world for an animal to be. If you care, we care for you too. Report by Julie Curry. Cancer charity Maggie's has launched a new campaign which highlights the emotions and struggles that people who care for someone with cancer face. In a recent survey, the charity found that 88% of people polled felt angry at their situation. Many also felt guilty and frustrated. Maggie's has launched You Care, We Care to highlight the pressures and psychological impact felt by those closest to people living with cancer. It also serves as a reminder that the charity is there to support not just people living with cancer, but their family and friends too. Maggie's ambassador Charles, 62, has been looking after his husband Martin since he was diagnosed with cancer nine years ago. His advice to those who know someone caring for someone with cancer includes never telling them to stay strong or be positive. Charles explained, Being a carer for someone with cancer can be brutal and has a huge physical and emotional burden that comes with it. As well as meaning it as it might be, when people say things like stay strong, it can make you feel even more annoyed, frustrated and hopeless. How is it possible for you to stay strong under the circumstances? It is also important that carers accept some support. A person caring for someone with cancer will be tired, stressed, overwhelmed, angry and much more. But Maggie's can help. Anger, guilt and helplessness are all emotions Maggie's staff see in their centres daily from people caring for others with cancer. That's why the charity's free psychological support is just as important for family and friends. Dame Laura Lee, Maggie's chief executive, said A cancer diagnosis sends a ripple through the whole family but, with so much focus on the person diagnosed, the needs of close family and friends can be forgotten, yet they often need just as much support. Many people looking after someone with cancer don't consider themselves to be carers or realise that we can support them too. Coming to us for support for yourself is the best way possible of supporting the person you love with cancer. For more information, visit www.maggies.org slash youcare. And that was a report by Julie Curry. Cash confidence is at an all-time low. New research has revealed that people's confidence in their finances hit an all-time low in April due to the cost-of-living crisis. 
A monthly survey from the YouGov and the Centre for Economics and Business Research, CEBR, shows confidence fell by 6 points from the result in March and by 57 points when compared to April 2021. It comes amid warnings that 1.5 million households will struggle to pay food and energy bills as inflation and energy bills continue to soar. Colin Matheson, spokesperson for Advice Direct Scotland, said, This research shows the devastating impact the current cost of living crisis is having on families and households all across the country. The important thing is to remember that help is available. No one should have to struggle alone. Our moneyadvice.scot service provides free information and support. District News Churches Home Church, Scotland Lammermoor Road, Kirkintilloch, Glasgow G66 2AB Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Matthew 6 verses 19 to 21 9.30am Communion 10am Prayer Time 10.30am Fellowship Tea and coffee available. 11am Worship service in Children's Church followed by tea and coffee. The main service at 11am is online and in person. Money buses leave Home Church at 6.30pm for the church service at Renfield Centre, Bass Street, Glasgow at 7pm. All welcome. One church, Home Church, five locations, Kirkintilloch, Glasgow, North Coast, Northern Ireland, Stornoway, and online. A church for all ages. Wednesday, study groups, 6.30pm for parents and children, 7.30pm for digging deeper Bible study, also discussion groups for adults and young people. See Facebook and Instagram for up-to-date information. St David's Memorial Church At St David's Memorial Park Church, our morning service on May the 22nd will be at our usual time of 10.30am and will be led by our Church of Scotland reader, John Nicholson. During our morning worship, school-aged children will have the opportunity to go through to her halls for their own time of fun and learning with GAM. All are welcome to attend their service. There are some COVID measures still in place, however, the wearing of face masks is not mandatory at this time. We look forward to welcoming you to the church. Our Tuesday lunchtime services have now resumed and take place each Tuesday from noon to 12.30pm. Our next service will be May the 24th. All are welcome to attend. Kirkintilla Church of God The Sunday evening good news servant at Regent Hall, Regent Street remains cancelled for now. We are, however, continuing our Zoom services each Sunday at 6.30pm. The speaker this Sunday, Brian Johnson. A warm invitation to everyone who is able to join us in Zoom. Access details for the stream can be obtained by emailing Hello at regenthall.org Come to Coffee Corner at Regent Hall on Wednesday from noon to 2pm for home baking and coffee. For up-to-date and further information on our services, visit our website on www.regenthall.org Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as snow. Isaiah 1 verse 18 St James Church, Hilton Road, Bishop Briggs Rector Reverend Canon Paul Wilson, 0141-230-4080 On Saturday, May the 21st, 
Dads and toddlers will be taking place in the church hall from 10.45am. All dads and toddlers are very welcome to come along. Bacon rolls will be provided for the dads. The church is now open for socially distanced services. Face masks are personal choice. There is a communion service on Thursday at 11am and on Sunday, May the 22nd at 9am and 10.30am. Everyone is welcome to come along to any of these services. Do stay on for tea or coffee and fellowship afterwards. The meditation labyrinth is still available in the car park for a mindful walk around. There are also other virtual services and groups. For up-to-date and further information, refer to our social media, Facebook, St James LS Bishop Briggs or www.stjamesbishopbriggs.org.uk Springfield Cambridge Church Morning worship on Sunday, May the 22nd will be led by Rev. Ian Taylor and Assistant Minister Rev. Adson Duke de Castro at 11am in the sanctuary. The Sunday School joins us for the beginning of the service before continuing with their own activities in the Springfield Hall. The creche will be happy to look after your child, birth to three years, in room two. Morning worship has also been live streamed on the Springfield Cambridge Church YouTube channel. A link to this can be found on the Springfield Cambridge Church website www.springfieldcambridge.org.uk and Facebook page where up-to-date information about events and church organisations can also be found. Tea and coffee is available after the service in the Cameron Hall. Come along and enjoy the fellowship. A vestry hour will be held on Wednesday, May the 25th from 10am to 11am for anyone who wishes to see the minister or assistant manager. A short weekly service of worship will take place in the Springfield Chapel on Wednesday, May the 25th from 11.10am to 11.30am followed by tea and coffee in the Hall of Fellowship. On Saturday, May the 21st, Ewan Russell and musical friends will return to the church to hold a concert in need of SEMH from 6.45pm to 10pm. Tickets are available, £10 adults, £6 concessions, from Ewan or Fiona Russell, Deputy Church Officer. Light refreshments will be served at the interval. Come along and enjoy this musical feast while supporting a well-deserving charity. Kenmuir Parish Church we are looking forward to the return of George Kelly, reader in the Church of Scotland, to lead us in our worship at our Sunday morning service, which begins at 11am. The service will be followed by a time of fellowship, teas and coffees in the hall. Seating restrictions and the need to wear masks while at worship have finally been removed. However, for those who would still prefer to be socially spaced, we are reserving the pews on the right-hand side. The wearing of masks will lead to the personal choice throughout the sanctuary. The service will be live-streamed on YouTube and can be found by searching for Kemure Bishop Briggs. Details of all the groups that may that are currently running may be found on the website kemure-church.co.uk To find us on Facebook, just search for Kemure Parish Church. If you would like to join our WhatsApp group or receive Bible studies from ABC, then email us at kemurechurch at icloud.com Lindsay Union Parish Church Sunday worship on May the 20th will be held by Reverend Dan McCarmichael at 11am in the church. Young people are also welcome to Lighthouse and Bible Class. A live stream of the service is available on YouTube via our website. 
Tea and coffee may be served in the hall after the Sunday service. Sunday chat is at 12.30pm on Zoom. Face coverings are no longer required in church services, though face coverings should continue to be worn in the two areas where one metre social distancing remains. The Meeting Place coffee shop is open on Wednesdays, 10am until 11.30am, in the new hall. Meet your friends and enjoy a chat over a cup of tea or coffee. Everyone, from the very young to the young at heart, is welcome to join us where we will also have a good selection of greetings cards and second-hand books for sale. The coffee pot is open on Fridays, 10am to 11.30am, in the new hall for teas, coffee and chat. A barbecue to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee will be held on Friday, June 3rd, 4.30pm to 6.30pm in the garden slash new hall. Please book by May 3rd on 07815 Christian Aid Joint Churches Coffee Morning with Plant Stall Today, Wednesday, from 10am to noon in Lenzie Union Church New Hall. Entry £3 for adults and £1 for children. This includes coffee, tea, juice or baking. There will be books and a bric-a-bac stall. Lenzie Old Parish Church. Sunday morning service is at 11am, led by Reverend Louise McClements. Thursday Club meets on May the 19th at 2pm in the Church Hall. Enjoy tea or coffee and home baking, followed by a game of Scrabble, Dominoes, Rumi Cub or Uno. All welcome. Come and sing, Lindsay. Our Dementia Singing Group is on Tuesday, May the 24th from 1.15pm to 2.45pm in the Church Hall. Afternoon tea to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee takes place on Saturday, May the 28th at 3pm. Tickets £6.00. Telephone the church office to book your place. Milton of Campsey Church. We're back in the building. No need to book. If you sit in the centre aisle, there is no need to wear a mask. If you sit in the side aisles, please wear one. Jigsaw, EPIC and Crossover will meet as usual. Next Sunday we'll hear Jesus' words, Peace be with you. Please send us a video of yourself saying Peace be with you in British Sign Language. Noon Zoom and Coffee and Chat is now at 12.30pm. Contact Julie for the link and remember the phone number for dial-in services which enable you to hear Sunday service. Just dial 01360 545 The Baby and Toddler Group, Hobbies Club and Badminton Club all meet on Monday time to pray is at 7.15pm to 7.55pm on Wednesday. Our BB had its final meeting of the session last Friday. Enjoy the holidays. Don't forget Go Mad, which begins on July the 31st. Stand with Ukraine. This gathering took place on Thursday and action has now been taken. Watch this space for ways in which you can help. Three of our folk have been joined by Father John Dehan to do the 500,000 Steps Challenge for Christian Aid. Our target is £1,500. If you want to sponsor or do the next steps, please text... Phyllis on 07582 712 463. Christian Aid Week has been launched. We'll be busy this week popping collection envelopes through the letterboxes. Look out for yours. Scripture Union Camp, led by Julie, our minister, will be held at the Gowan Parts during the first week of the school holidays. It's for P6, P7, S1, an opportunity not to be missed, and generously subsided 
subsidised by the church. Contact Julie for more info or text Phyllis on 07582 713 St Columbus Church Connect with services from St Columbus Church by accessing our website on www.kirkintillochstcolumbus.org.uk or by searching for St Columbus Kirkintillock on YouTube. A new recorded service is available each Sunday from 10.30am. More details on our website or come along in person but please book your place in advance by phoning 078 95 between 9 and noon on Thursday or Friday morning. You are assured of a warm welcome at St Columbus, Reverend Philip Wright, St Columbus Kirkintillach, Oldell Road, Kirkintillach, G66 3HQ, P. Wright at churchofscotland.org.uk, mobile 07427 623393 District News General Wildlife Please leave fawns alone by the Scottish SPCA The Scottish SPCA has warned the public they could be inadvertently killing baby deer by removing them from the wild after incorrectly assuming they've been abandoned Female deer will leave their young from an early age in long grass or under bushes to protect them from predators while they forage for food. As they are a prey animal, the fawn's instinct is to lie as still as possible so as not to attack predators, leading to the members of the public mistakenly thinking they are sick, injured or abandoned. Assistant Manager of the Scottish SPCA's National Wildlife Rescue Centre, April Sorley, said, Unfortunately, despite repeated appeals to the public to leave young deer alone, and monitor them from a distance. We are still seeing fawns coming into our care who have been removed from their mothers for no reason. People often take fawns home and keep them overnight before calling us, meaning there is even less chance of being able to reunite them with their mothers. The public may think this is not a serious issue, as the animals can be cared for by the Scottish SPCA, but fawns are possibly the most complex and challenging animal we deal with at the National Wildlife Rescue Centre. In many cases, removing that that young animal from the wild is effectively a death sentence. As deer are pre-animals, they ultimately see humans as predators. Everything in their body is telling them to get away from us, even when we're the only ones that can save them. The Scottish SPCA says that if you find a fawn curled up in long grass or under a bush, please leave the animal alone. Stay well back and do not alert the fawn to your presence. Please make sure dogs are kept in a lead if you know there are deer in the area. If you spot a fawn walking around and calling out, they may need help. Monitor the fawn for a few hours, and if no mother returns to feed the baby, then call the Scottish SPCA helpline for advice on 0300-999-999. Over almost two centuries, We've grown to become a national charity which celebrates the strength of that human-animal bond and enriches the lives of animals and people. We champion animal welfare and encourage respect and kindness for animals across our communities. £30,000 boost for charity At the weekend, Frank and Helen Dunn hosted their fourth golf day for the Sally Magson playlist for Life Dementia Charity. Tailored music playlists can bring happiness and comfort to patients with dementia and, 
Thanks to Sally's charity, many patients in the UK are now in possession of their personal playlist. The total raised £30,000, far exceeded by the previous best of £17,500 in 2019, thanks to the generosity of the auction and raffle donors and the 19 teams who participate in a blustery but dry day. In her speech, Sally Magnusson emphasised that the sudden raves will go directly to the charity. Special thanks to all at Lindsay GC for their support. Horticultural Society At our April meeting, despite glitches with the projector slash laptop connections, members were treated to an entertaining and informative talk on shrubs given by Nancy Stevens. We learnt, amongst other interesting anecdotes, about mad honey. This hallucinogenic honey is produced from the nectar of rhododendrons or related plants in climates such as Nepal and Turkey. We also enjoy more exhibits shown in the second part of our informal spring flower show. The committee has again decided not to have our traditional formal show in September this year, but will hopefully hold an online show instead, as we have done for the, ne- for the last two years. The next meeting is at our annual general meeting in Enterprise House on Thursday, May the 26th, from 7.30pm to 9.30pm, when cheese and wine will be served. All members are encouraged to attend, and new members will be made very welcome. To find out more or join the Society, contact Paul Malcolm on 0141-578-1520. Extra support. Plans to remove all income thresholds from Best Start Foods by 2023-24 have been announced as part of the second Tackling Child Poverty Delivery Plan, Best Start Bright Futures. This will increase eligibility to all people in receipt of a qualifying benefit. As a result, an additional 30,000 people are expected to benefit. Best Start Foods is delivered via a prepaid card and provides £18 every four weeks throughout pregnancy, £36 every four weeks from birth until a child turns one, then £18 every four weeks from one until a child turns three. This change will be part of the successful delivery in the coming years of our significant wider benefits programme. Minister for Social Security Ben McPherson said, Tackling child poverty is a national mission for us. We continue to take the necessary steps to reach out the ambitious targets set out in our Tackling Child Poverty Delivery Plan. Social Security is one of the main pillars of this plan and will help us to deliver support directly into the pockets of those families who need it the most. The cost of healthy food was already a pressure for parents and carers and the cost of living increases are making this more challenging. We will remove the income thresholds for Best Start Foods so that around 30,000 additional people who receive tax credits or certain benefits will be able to receive Best Start Foods by the end of the financial year 2023-24. Planning Applications TP slash ED slash 22 slash 0217 Glazert Water, Glen Road, Lennox Town, Eastern Bartonshire River restoration of the Glazert Water at three reaches from the Oval to Station Road, Lennox Town Proposals are to reprofile banking, access and interpretation improvements Removal of weir and bank protection Woody debris installation along with tree removal and planting Habitat creation improvements Regulation 20, brackets 1, 
departs, 21 days. The application plans and other documents can be viewed online through the Council's website. The current restrictions on non-essential office work associated with the coronavirus pandemic means that plans cannot be viewed in Council offices as normal. Written comments may be made within the above period to the Council through the Council's website or to the above address. Any representations will be treated as public documents and made available for inspection by interested parties and may also be published on the Council's website. Sport Rab's aiming to end with win. Report by Ian McLean Kirk and Tiller of Rob Roy will be out to end the season on a high with victory in their final match of the campaign on Saturday. Three points from their clash with Larg Thistle would ensure a top eight finish in the West of Scotland Pre- League Premier Division. And that's something manager Stuart Maxwell says would be a fantastic achievement, especially given his young side were labelled relegation certainties in many quarters after losing their first four matches. Rob Roy even went into last Saturday's match with Halford, still in with a chance of a top six finish, but a goalless draw put that out of reach. Maxwell said, I didn't think we were quite at it with our final pass or delivery, but we had a couple of chances and had a goal choked off which the boys were saying was a bit tight. I thought the two teams worked hard in the hot conditions, and in the second half, we looked quite dangerous when we got behind them. I couldn't fault the application or effort, and I thought we defended really well because they're a decent side sitting in the top six, so they're no mugs. We didn't win, and that's what people want, but we did okay. I'm not disappointed. We worked hard in energy-sapping conditions on a big pitch, and in a pitch at Kilsyth we've hardly played on, so there wasn't really any home advantage. We tried to win the game to overtake Hurlford and try to finish in the top six, but if we can win our last game, it would take us above Cumnock and possibly Irvin Meadow if they lose to Glen Afton. That would be a top seven finish, which would be incredible, especially given where we were after the first four games. We've had a fantastic season and they are now prepared. Next season we'll have 30 games rather than 38, but they know they still have to look after themselves. It's part-time professional football, and they know they have a commitment to themselves and the club they've signed a contract with. We've got a fit team, and that's served us well, but we're now going to draw breath and rebuild. We'll lose a couple of players, as every club does, and we'll be looking to try and strengthen the squad and add a wee bit more quality. Rewards handed out to Rab's prize guys. Kirk and Rob Roy's top performers received a recognition for their season's efforts at the club's Player of the Year celebration on Saturday night. The event was held at the Kirk and Rangers Club and manager Stuart Maxwell said it was an outstanding success. The place was packed to the rafters and it was a really well organised night, the best we've had since I've been there as player or manager, he said. Midfielder Dean Cairns was named Committee Player of the Year and Chris O'Kane took the accolade for Supporters Player of the Year. There was a double success for defender Daniel O'Halloran as he was named Coaches Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year. O'Kane also picked up a second accolade after being revealed as the winner of the Davy Smith Award in memory of the former committee member and club stalwart who passed away in 2019. Boss Maxwell explained, I used to have a merit award for somebody who showed good application and training 
playing well and was a good all-round professional person. Davy prided in that, and when Davy passed away, I decided the award should last forever as the, as the Davy Smith Award. Robbie Young won the trophy for top scorer, and a lifetime supporter award was presented to John Murphy. Glens end with a hundred percent record. Alan Glens completed their campaign with a hundred percent record by beating Cambuslang eighty-seven nil in their final match of the season at the Beer Bear Yards on Saturday. In front of a huge crowd, including Scotland Graham Sam winning wire, Ivan Tukalo, the Glens boys made it 18 wins from 18 games as they were presented with the West Region League Division 1 trophy. To celebrate promotion back to the Rugby's National Leagues, Glens rattled in the tries, with Alistair McConnell running in the first with barely a minute on the clock. They added scores with regularity, three in the first 15 minutes alone, and had the referee not decided to blow his whistle for full time, with almost 20 minutes in the clock still to run, with the full agreement of both teams, a century of points was almost a certainty. As it was, Glens ended the season with a scarcely believable points tally of 955, and, having shipped just 128, a points difference of 827, which was almost double that of runners-up Stewartry. Centre Levi Ikevati, Ikevati had a field day, creating tries with his direct running and skillful offloading, and he was saving them as well. Late in the game, Cambastan were knocking on the door, and the Constellation score looked inevitable until Ikevati simply hauled their would-be tri-scorer to the ground with just a thud, just short of the line. Almost unplayable in top form, Ikevati must be in this discussion for the Divisions Player of the Season award, though lock forward Jamie Hoberth could also be in the mix too, as his sledgehammer tackling has helped make Glens a tough nut to crack. Sports Digest Glasgow C. Glasgow City completed their SWPL1 campaign on Sunday with a goalless draw away to Hibernian. The result meant the Peter Hill base side, who had been chasing a 15th successive title, finished 7 points behind undefeated Champions Rangers in 2nd place. City still have the chance to end the season with a trophy, as they face Celtic in the Scottish Cup final at Tynecastle on May the 29th. The match is the repeat of December's Premier League Cup final between the sides, which Celtic won 1-0. Golf Scottish Hasting Golf Club's Anne Armstrong is through to this year's Scottish Medals Grand Final. She booked her spot by finishing tied for second at the Scottish Medal Final at East, held at Rutho Park, Edinburgh. Jennifer Law of Murfield Golf Club carded a 300 par Nets 68 to win the women's competition carding four net birdies in her final five holes to finish two shots clear of Armstrong, Hasting Golf Club, and Celine Stewart, Musselburgh Golf Club. All three now go through to the Scottish medal finals, Grand Final at Royal Burgess on Sunday, August the 21st. The event was the first of six regional qualifiers. Thank you for listening to this week's Kirk and Phil Herald podcast. Brought to you by Cune Review, print speaking to the blind. If you have any feedback, you're welcome to call us on 0141 772 3976. If you enjoyed this recording, feel free to subscribe to our channel.